within a month and a half, we exited the company, which is amazing. In three years, we sold for multiple six figures, just on the property management, still on the construction side. And I'm able now to focus on what I really, really know and value. And the way I did that was that was really intentionally creating a system that was scalable and sellable. Hello, I'm Steve Klass with the business breakthrough you've been waiting for. We're here taking service businesses to a million dollars and beyond. Let's see what kind of impact the next 30 minutes will have on your life and your business. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Success with Class. Today, I'm going to share a little bit about my personal entrepreneurship journey. Um, I think you guys are going to really dig it. It's going to go deep, deep level into how I scaled a business from zero to over seven figures and then later sold the company in under three years. So if you're a property manager, if you're into real estate, if you're in the service-based business sector, this episode is going to do a deep dive on how to properly structure your business for exit strategy or just in general in generality, just viability of continuous growth where you're working on the business and not in the business. So stay tuned. Really excited to get into the weeds here. Welcome back to a rare solo episode with just me. Uh, I gotta be honest, I typically don't like to do solo episodes. I love interviewing guests and hearing their stories, and I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome sharing my story, mainly um, because I don't want it to come across as braggadocious or something in the chest of look at me, look at me type of thing. Um, but I really think that there's a lot of value here and lessons that I've learned through my own personal journey that if you're a entrepreneur who's, you know, around 80 to $150,000 a year on gross revenue, that you can take this lessons away from this episode and apply it to your business to reach that seven figure mark um, within a year. That's kind of what I got into. So I'm going to run the clock a little bit and start my journey out here. Um, I worked about a decade in hospitality and, and event planning. I moonlighted as a DJ on the side, worked as an MC, um, was really entrenched in the New York City work culture. So right before COVID, I was working at this event space called Canvas. It was on 42nd Street and 11th Avenue, and I was the director of AV. So we would have all the lights, all the audio. I basically did everything. So I ran that entire venue uh, as regards to sales and operations, um, really soup the nuts. I enjoyed it, but I was starting to get really worn out of working six, seven days a week, um, you know, doing sales during the weekday and then physically finalizing the events during the weekends. Did some really cool stuff. I did Cardi B's daughter's birthday party, for example, and met a lot of famous people and things of that nature. Um, I always wanted to start my own business, but was generally unsure of what path to take. I started doing some side hustles. I was investing in real estate at the time, bought my first duplex in 2019. And my idea was I'll just buy one piece of real estate a year. And maybe by the time I'm 45 or 50, I'll have accumulated, you know, 25 houses, let's just say. And it'll be enough for me to retire early. That was the entire thought process. And I guess I'll just deal with the corporate grind. That, that was a mentality. I just, I didn't have the gumption just to kind of quit my job and do my own thing. Um, and quite frankly, I didn't really wasn't really encouraged to do so by uh, any of my peers. Everyone everyone was like kind of working in their corporate nine to five um, jobs, and you know that was just the path that I saw. Lo and behold, COVID nineteen comes. Now I was working in the event industry, as you can imagine, devastation occurred. Uh, everyone's laid off. 
my wife at the time was working in travel. She's laid off as well. So we went from making, you know, a comfortable living in the six-figure range between the both of us uh, to zero, whatever the unemployment was at the time. That was really it. And she was six months pregnant. Now we don't have health insurance because she's laid off. So I needed to figure out an action plan immediately. I knew that it was going to take six months to a year before hospitality started hiring again. And to be quite frank, I really didn't want to dive back into an industry that cut cut the legs off of me instantly as soon as the, the tables were turned and income stopped coming in. I knew at this moment that I wanted to be my own boss. That was my real goal. Is like I never want to give someone else the power to take away my livelihood nor my wife's livelihood. I was already kind of into real estate a little bit. So I was reverse engineering my life. Like, what does my ideal life look like? I want to it to be flexible. I love traveling. I wanted to be able to work remotely. I wanted to be involved in real estate because I knew the power of real estate. Um, I wanted something that was easily scalable, but a system. And I wanted something that could eventually sell, that had sellability aspects to it. Uh, that would be an easy exit strategy. So with these intentions in mind, I started researching a bunch of companies, inspection companies, mortgage brokers, being a realtor, and nothing quite checked the boxes. And I looked, started looking into property management. I said, huh, here's a business that you can start buying real estate, essentially, by getting 10% margin fees off of the rental income. So for zero risk, zero expenses, essentially, on the home, because that would be the landlord's responsibility, I would have a 10% ownership stake, um, not equity, but 10% of the gross rent that would come in. And I knew people were very emotional when it came to dealing with tenants, um, where there's, you know, if they have one rental property or even two, it was like if a tenant, you know, was late on rent or there was a leaking toilet, it was all encompassing. They had to stop what they were doing to try to take care of it. It was like, would keep them up at night. Um, and I knew also that there was a lack of hospitality in that market. The idea of a property manager, though it's drastically changing now, was like this idea of a superintendent at the time, a guy with a key ring who would kind of just show up and was sort of a handyman, no systems in place, collects the rent for you and you know gives you a check at the end of the month, maybe, or if you don't have to hunt them down. And I wanted to, to professionalize that, in this, that industry and bring hospitality first and foremost to it. Um, just because I'm service-oriented based in nature and I knew that that would be an effective way to gain entry into the expensive high-end market. Because at the time, a lot of people were fleeing New York City to go into Westchester and Connecticut. And these people were high net worth individuals who were used to spending seven, eight, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 a month in a, in a uh, penthouse apartment in Manhattan. And are willing to spend that and even more some to have a single family home in Connecticut. Typically a millennial generation too, where they're not as handy as their parents were of like the boomer generation where you know, fixing a toilet by themselves was out of the question. They were just going to call someone to fix it or expect it to be done. Um, so I wanted to capitulate on that. So if someone's willing to spend $10,000 a month for, for a luxury home, they're going to expect a high level of service. And I did research on my competition and I realized that no one was really delivering that high level service. Sure, there were property managers. It was more for like that B-class standard relationship of, you know, a duplex is in the market, um, not for the high end, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month clientele. So I created a marketing strategy purposely to target these individuals. 
day one, I knew investing in a CRM software, and in this case, it was Lead Simple, would have been first and foremost. Same thing for property management software. Now, I knew that this is going to be an expensive initial cost, especially since I was starting from zero clients, but I wanted to do it right day one. And I encourage others who are listening to this to do the same thing. Don't buy as you go. We're like, oh, I'll do pen and paper right now. And then you know, when I need to, I'll switch from Excel to an actual software. Take the plunge and get the software now. You're going to appear much more professionalized. You're going to have systems in place immediately. You can start tweaking it immediately too. The learning curve is easier when you only have one client as opposed to 100 and you're trying to learn new software. So I made that commitment to myself where I was going to give this six months at least to try to get the property management up off the grounds um, while both my wife was looking for, to get her job back, essentially. Lo and behold, I created this really killer offer strategy. And this is before um, I had read Alex Ramosi's $100 million offers. I would have done it slightly different. But I captured the pain points of what I thought potential landlords were going through. What if the tenant doesn't pay rent? What if there's a maintenance issue? And how do you guys deal with vacancies? Like what if they're, you know, if the whole house is empty for three months, I have no rental income. And I made a marketing strategy around that where it was very simple, very straightforward landing pages of guaranteed tenant placement in two weeks or your first month is free. Or we have eviction protection. We place a tenant, tenant goes bad. We will cover all your legal costs to get them out. Take away the hesitancy of like, why should I trust you? So you have to build that no like and trust factor. And it was a pretty unsexy ad. There was no video elements to it at the time. It was just a simple landing page. And I spent a few bucks on Google ads. I think it was like, you know, maybe two, $300. Within a week, I had my first discovery call with a client. And I remember huddled over the, the phone on speaker kind of saying like, oh, this is the services we offer. I didn't come out and tell them that it was my first account, of course. And it was a little one bedroom condo that was in Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, and he's like, oh, great. This sounds excellent. Send this over your contract. Um, I sent over the legal documentation, had it signed. And then I remember I did a giant fist bump and j launched myself in the air while I muted the phone and just was like almost in tears and, and crying that I was so happy I had my first client. And then it quickly unmuted the phone and said, absolutely, we'll be sending you over the contract immediately. Looking forward to working with you. <laughs> um, it's funny what you do early in your career. And over time, I developed a really strong lead campaign of just upping the marketing um, upping the drip campaign also through our, my CRM. And what I mean by that is having it where if a lead came in, there was an instant email response. And I started incorporating video elements of these emails. Whereas me personally on camera saying, thank you so much for contacting us. You know, this is how best we can prep for your discovery call and we can learn more about your specific needs. And I would give them a list of like generalities of, hey, just l let us know if there's any tenants that are, are late on rent. Or let us know if you're an accidental landlord, which is what I was targeting. Accidental meaning that they are not really investors, that they're going to be moving out of the area to Florida, Austin, Texas, wherever it has to be, and the home is going to be vacant. Like, what, what, what is your journey like? Is it going to be a two-year process? Is it going to be three years where you want to move back? Is this going to be a family legacy wealth? And asking these probing questions and you're unpeeling the onion on these discovery calls is so important. And you build up that no like, and trust factor. Um... And I would start implementing this and slowly but surely my calendar was getting filled with interested parties because no one else in the area was, was doing this. They are now, but at the time, this is 2020, it was still relatively new, kind of click funnels type of campaign that I was launching. And slowly but surely, you know, it, it, I started to build a really great book of business. And the great thing about property management is that they're signing contracts with you. Mine were for a year. 
And on the contracts, I purposely had it that they were assignable, meaning that if I wanted to, I could sell this contract to another property management company, and then they would take over the management with, of course, written permission from the, the client. As I'm building this out, I'm getting more and more clientele. Now, I'm not from Westchester. I'm from Staten Island, New York. I'm not from Connecticut, so I don't have any contacts. I had to rely on marketing to get this off the ground. Started getting a really solid book of business, and I was handling everything. We were getting uh, access to the landlords. We were getting some investors. I really wanted to focus just on accidentals at the time, so being precise in your clientele was something I recommend honing, honing in on. And... I noticed that I started to get worn thin. So immediately we hired a virtual assistant and a boots on the ground property manager. So I can be the person on the laptop doing the sales calls, doing things that matter to, to, to me, but my skill set rather than doing you know operations. You don't want me fixing your toilet. Let's put it that way. And as we started doing this and gaining traction, year one, I noticed that we paid $250,000 to various handymen and contractors to do pretty easy turnover work, painting, light carpentry, uh, you know, LVP flooring, nothing spectacular. And I said to myself, I bet that there's an opportunity here to add this as a surplus income to my existing property management business because I already have the leads. I have the clients. I have the no like and trust factor. What more is there to be if I open up a maintenance division now? So I called up my father who was 30 years in the construction business. He was working in Manhattan at the time. I knew he was unhappy with his position. I said, dad, why don't you come work with me? You deal with all the operations and getting things fixed. You have the knowledge. You have the operational expertise. And I bet you we can partner up and get this rock and rolling. Lo and behold, almost within three months, we were doing tens of thousands of dollars extra in business just off these turnover repairs. And I always really vouch for this. Any business that you're in, look for opportunities to cross-sell. So if you're in the property management sphere, you're dabbling in everything in the pro property. You can go into real estate brokerage. You can go into a maintenance division. You can become a mortgage lender if you really wanted it, it to be because you have your clients. You have the hardest base, the foundation. And unlike realtors where it's very transactional, property management, you're dealing with the same clientele for the most part for years on a monthly basis where you're building up that relationship. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast in itself of, of the relationship side. But as I really grew this business out, I knew that it was great income that was coming in, right? It was a fantastic way to earn a living. And at the time, we were probably bringing in net EBITDA, uh, $20,000 to $30,000 a month between leasing fees, between property management income, and we're running a pretty lean shop where we didn't have a tremendous amount of staff. But I also realized that this wasn't necessarily my calling. Um, I was good at it, but dealing with tenants, dealing with uh, owners on a daily basis wasn't feeding my soul. It's a very operational and intensive business on that side too. Um, and it really came to fruition at the loss of my mother just a few months ago, where I wanted to live a purpose-driven life. And I realized in speaking to other entrepreneurs that I would become so much more engaged, so much more lively. I really, really immensely enjoy helping business owners. I said, how can I capitulate on this feeling here? You know, this is something I think I really would want to pursue as a, uh, a coach because I built out a great system. We were doing now over seven figures between the construction and the property management income and just under three years. So I called up a, a competitor of mine and said, hey, 
are you looking to potentially expand into this particular county in Connecticut? And instantly, yep, send me over your paperwork. Let me see, look at your numbers. And within a month and a half, we exited the company, uh, which is amazing. In three years, we sold for multiple six figures just on the property management, still on the construction side. And I'm able now to focus on what I really, really know and value. And the way I did that was that was really intentionally creating a system that was scalable and sellable. And I encourage anyone who's listening to do the same in their own business. Don't become the practitioner. Have something to sell. Have contracts in place with your clients if you can. If you're a plumber even, have a commercial contract where you're the person in charge to do the maintenance of that account. Don't do it where you're just relying on, oh, word of mouth, or I'm going to give you my phone number. You're selling nothing at that point um, other than goodwill. And goodwill only gets you so far. It's going to be half the evaluation of what you really are, what you really deserve. So that's my little long and short story here uh, was of just scalability on property management side. Um, I hope this provided some value to you. You know, as, as a quick takeaway, focus on really refining your CRM. Focus on getting your drip campaign down. Focus on great marketing on landing pages and getting your word out. Focus on having killer systems on the, on the, the uh, um, fulfillment phase where you sold them on your product, now focus on having great software. How does someone do a maintenance request? Are you using all the latest automation and tools to make it happen? Make sure your accounting's really buttoned up and tight. And I promise you, if you want to exit the property management side or any business, you will have a viable seller who's going to make you a decent offer. Um, and as far as that offer, as far as valuations are concerned, if you're curious, property management is typically one to one and a half times your gross management fee income. That's typically what the evaluation is, depending on your area. I know that's a little different based on other industries, but that's typically what you're looking at. So if you're bringing in $100,000 in your matching income, your business is worth maybe $125,000. So if you want to sell your business for a million dollars, have a million dollars of management income and you'll get that million dollar offer. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this was, I know this is a quick episode, but I hope it, uh, you walked away with some great insights. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Service Business Success with Class. Are you craving more strategies to supercharge your business growth? You can connect with me at successwithclass.com or on my Instagram at Stevie Class. And remember, when you hit subscribe, it's a win-win. You'll get your hands on all the latest tips and you'll be supporting the show too. Thanks again for joining. Until next time.